very good afternoon from kolkata uh, i am dr shomodip chattopadhyay associate professor bishobharti university and senior fellow at the impact and policy institute of new delhi on behalf of the center for habitat urban and regional studies uh, impri and team impri i welcome you all uh, to this city conversation discussion series and we all know that india is rapidly urbanizing which poses significant challenges to the urban governance and by the united nations estimates urban residents in india will account for 52.8% of the population by 2050 and as compared to the 34% of today and cities like delhi would age past uh, tokyo and majority of the indian cities are riddled with serious infrastructural deficits and basic services delivery gaps and this need not only jeopardizes the quality of life of the urban populace uh, but also undermines the competitive age of these cities and their potential as the key drivers of uh, economic growth and the unprecedented covid-19 pandemic uh, has exposed several pre-existing urban governance challenges as well as the deep rooted inequality inequalities in access to uh, housing uh, services livelihoods and safety nets Uh, particularly this crisis has brought to the light the struggles government face in managing the basic services and providing the relief particularly for the uh, marginalized communities and this deplorable state of uh, the cities is typically attributed to the fi- poor financial health and lack of planning and these are also linked to weak institutional capac- capacities and the absence of uh, effective governance structures of the indian cities and this novel coronavirus pandemic has brought home the critical role of the local government and decentralized responses local government if we go by the uh, typical theoretical perspective are the closest to the understanding of problems and requirements of their citizens and are therefore best equipped to make policies and decisions and implement the projects locally led and adopted uh, responses that take into account the diversity and complexity of the urban settings are key to mitigate the worst of any outbreak and uh, the decentralization of india's governance systems uh, gained momentum in 1992 with the 73rd and 74th constitution amendment acts uh, specifically the 74th constitution amendments acts it devolves powers and functions to the urban local bodies uh, to enable them to act as local self government and function as the third tier of government it has been more than 25 years since the passing of the act but the actual devolution of power and functions can at best be described as partial here and this covid-19 pandemic uh, uh, has once again highlighted the urgency of discourse around the future of our cities it has spawned wide ranging debates on reimagining the cities our local govern urban governance structures in india equipped to respond to the needs of their citizens and tackle future problems uh, with this in, uh, in in at the background the center for the habitat urban and regional studies at impri along with industra global and a uh, city city makers mission international has launched a discussion series the state of city series uh, the state of cities city conversations in this talk series uh, we plan to engage with experts on urban and regional studies uh, to understand the challenges of urbanization and making the cities sustainable livable and inclusive uh, today we are honored and delighted uh, to have dr m ramachandran amongst us Uh, Dr. A. M. Ramachandran, an IAS officer, uh, served state and central government in India for a uh, 38 years before retiring in 20, uh, 2010. And Dr. Ramachandran has served in various positions, including that of the district magistrate and collector of library, 
He was the chief secretary of the Uttarakhand and was secretary in the Ministry of Urban Development Government of India for close to four years. And post-retirement, he continues to be active in the urban sector and, and, and the governance areas. Uh, he is associated with various national level endeavors in the capacity of uh, chairperson of the Indian Heritage Cities Network Foundation, chairman of the National Urban Transport Awards Committee, chancellors of the Ikpa University of Dehradun, uh, senior advisor to the U.S. Green Building Councils, and Dr. Ramchand is also a distinguished fellow of Scotch Foundation. And his published works include Uttaranchal Ideas That Work, Urban Renewal, uh, the Building from the Bottom, Infrastructure and Poverty Alleviation, uh, Delhi Metro Station and Surroundings, Metro Rail Projects in India, India's Urban Confusion, uh, uh, Reforming Urban Transport in India, Issues and Breaks Practices, and uh, Mavericks of Missouri. Uh, today, Sarah will speak on how can local be made vocal in city governance. So once again, uh, on behalf of Team Impri, I welcome you, sir, uh, to this city conversation series. And over to you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Swamyo, for that um, introduction, both to the topic and also uh, about me. Uh, when you were making this explanation, I was thinking to myself, uh, did I opt for a topic which is difficult, which is challenging? and about which people could have different viewpoints. But um, when I was in dialogue with uh, Impri, uh, I thought this needs to be highlighted because when the prime minister himself is talking about making local as vocal, uh, that equally well applies to local governance also. And as Dr. Sabmi emphasized, uh, which is the level of government which we feel closest to us? The one which is at the local body level and more so in very smaller towns, uh, smaller cities, because there everything is visible. The services which the local body provided, provides is visible, and the representatives who are there, are there also somewhat visible, if I could put it like that. So what, what have we done with regard to that structure of governance at the local level, which, as, I, as we both are emphasizing, is the closest to people? And uh, how, what is its evolution? So I thought I'll briefly touch upon this, um, and uh, it'll lead to a discussion as to probably a straight question could be, how can we make local vocal? After listening to all this, probably one of you may ask, then how do we make local vocal? So let us come to that after um, going through this. There are 10 slides. Uh, we, we can move on to the first one. I'll start with the constitutional position, which Dr. Sami also referred to. The 70, it took so many years after 47 and after 50, the constitution, it was only in 92, and, and enacted in 93 that the local bodies, both urban and rural, got, got stat, stat constitutional recognition. Till then, it was not in the constitution. Local bodies existed, but um, they were not constitutionally recognized. So we have heard about uh, local bodies right from very early days. The Municipal Corporation of Madras came into existence in the year 1688. Calcutta and Bombay came into ex existence in 1726. So we had these local bodies in existence, what uh, functions they were performing, how close they were to being a third level of governance, that is something which we need to look into a bit more carefully. And again, a little bit of history, Lord Ripon's resolution of 1882. That was a key factor in uh, uh, development of representative municipal system in our country. So to be fair, the English also tried to introduce representative governance at the local level. Only thing is it was very, Limited to certain function, limited to certain functions only, providing for management of local functions and services uh, with the municipal committees. 
then uh, came independence and then it was up to the states to decide um, uh, where the local bodies would be, what would be its structure and what would be its functions. But with this constitutional amendment of 1992, uh, the constitution listed 18 functions which may be devolved to the local bodies. The constitution did not lay down, while it formalized the existence of the local bodies, it did not lay down that these, these functions will be assigned to the local bodies that was left to the state governments. So again, as uh, Dr. Samyo mentioned, 92 onwards, it has been a long journey trying to convince states because states have to decide to pass on these functions to the urban local bodies. Uh, so, so, the, so the constitutional status came into existence, the legitimacy of local governments was accepted and protection was given to their continents because every five years elections have to be held. That was also laid down. But then when it comes to functions, what happened is um, the schedule 12, which is referred to in the constitution, uh, gives an illustrative list of 18 functions. Now, while preparing for this lecture, I looked at these 18 functions and I thought it would be appropriate to list them into two categories, category A and category B. I call those category B, which appear to be uh, functions which are just there, and to what extent the local bodies can efficiently undertake those functions, that is the question. So in category A would come um, subjects like urban planning. Now, uh, a recent uh, CAG study in uh, Karnataka, the state of Karnataka pointed out that there is no role for urban local bodies in the state of Karnataka as far as urban planning is concerned. So there is a function which is supposed to be assigned to the local bodies, uh, but this is the status at least in one state. Then there are others like um, regulation of land use, uh, minimal role is assigned to the local bodies as far as this function is concerned. Then there's a huge big sounding uh, subject called planning for economic and social development now, what exactly can they do? Even the local body structure may not be able to answer. Roads and bridges, water supply, public health, slum improvement, urban amenities, and public amenities, including street lighting. I club these as nine functions in the first category. And then we move on to the second nine functions, fire services. It is not devolved, I think, not in any, any, any state. I don't know whether West Bengal is to a marginal extent, but this is generally uh, held under the control of the state government. Urban forestry, again, a big sounding uh, name, urban forestry, safeguarding the interests of weaker sections. What are the local bodies supposed to do? Urban poverty elevation, again, very high sounding. It looks very, very philosophical, but to what extent do they do? Uh, can they do something? Promotion of cultural activities, burials and burial grounds. That's also a subject listed. Cattle ponds, vital statistics, and regulation of slaughterhouses. So if I recall uh, those, if I recall the conversations with some of them who are at the helm of affairs trying to put this list together, I think <coughs> they had to expand the list and there was a demand that there should be a good number of items in the list. So some of these items also entered that list. And again, looking at this recent CAG report about burials and burial grounds and cattle ponds and things like that, uh, in the state of Karnataka, there is full ju jurisdiction as far as these three functions are concerned. Regulation of slaughterhouses, important, but when it comes to people, how relevant are these and what is it that the local body can do at its own level. Then um, an effort was made to circulate a model municipal law, then central government has been trying because it's not a central subject, central government has been trying to um, underscore the importance of these uh, reforms which have to happen at the state level. So. The central government tries through other methods. When there are central programs, there, are, there is a reform agenda also. 
So the Urban Renewal Mission talked about state-level reforms in which implementation of decentralization measures and states should um, uh, uh, ensure meaningful association local bodies and planning function. All this was laid down. Then came Amrit. Amrit also lays down um, that transfer of all 18 functions to local bodies should take place. Technically, what happens is the states, for the sake of reporting compliance of the reform measure, report that we have done this. But what exactly has happened is something which is not really taken up for scrutiny. It is possible the state government would have issued an order that he, and henceforth this function will be with the local body. Now the question is, does the local body have the wherewithal to undertake tasks relating to that function? Do they have the resources? Can, do they have the proper wherewithal as to how to undertake these functions? These are all left open-ended. So that would take us to the second point, which is about revenue generation. We can move on to the second slide. What is the revenue base for these urban bodies? You, you know, we have more than 4,000 urban local bodies of different types and structures in our country. Uh, at one end is uh, city corporations like Mumbai, Kolkata and the like. And there are very small uh, municipal councils or town, town areas or town panchayas also, which have maybe a population of 5,000, 10,000 and like that. So what is the base uh, revenue base for these local bodies? We all know the states have a certain constitutional uh, position as far as raising resources is concerned. And after the recent GST, it has become very clear what is in the domain of the central government, what is in the domain of the state government, and uh, what is it that state, states can do to increase their revenue base. That is clear. But when it comes to local bodies, though generally there is an understanding like property tax is one subject which normally is there for local bodies. But to what extent? Who decides the rates? When is it to be revised? How would it make a difference uh, if collection does not happen? Uh, what is the penal provision if one can talk about that? Who, who decides about the structure is property tax? There are a whole lot of issues like that, uh, which is not really sorted out. So the revenue base, what should be the revenue base? That is something the state governments again have to decide. Uh, of course, there is a mechanism of the state finance commissions, which are supposed to recommend principles governing distribution between states and municipalities, like the Central Finance Commission does for the uh, center and the states. Uh, the, what, what would be the net proceeds of taxes which will go to the local bodies? Uh, the state finance commissions are also re required to recommend on measures needed to improve financial position of municip municipalities, and also whether uh, there is any other matter which has been referred to them. These reports come, they are considered, and some sort of a, an action taken is placed before the house, and quite often what happens is since there is not much of a willingness or keenness to part with functions or part with revenue base of the state governments, some uh, adjustment is made or some uh, act, uh, report is given that this will be looked into or this will be taken up. That's what happens. So if you look at the own revenue base of local bodies as a percentage of GDP, that is what is it that the local bodies in India generate, uh, more than 50% of the municipal expenditure is on salaries and wages. So you can imagine if a local body has say one crore of revenue during the entire year, more than 50 lakhs goes into salaries and wages only. In fact, 50, it was 54.2% in the year 2001 to in various states, it exceeded what they collect also. So states have to come to the rescue of the local bodies. OM services such as water supply, sewerage, management of solid waste, these are all either taken up to a certain extent or when there are no resources, they are left as they are. So on an average, about 40% of total municipal expenditure goes for these activities. 
Some states spend higher, some abysmally low spending, and this has been highlighted by some of the committees also. So the question is, can we have, like we have the union list and the state list, can we have a local bodies list also in the constitution so that we make the right beginning as far as empowering the local bodies is concerned, and there is clarity as to <coughs> what is it that they are going to get or what is it that they must be getting. And there I uh, list an example of uh, Brazil where municipalities uh, have broad autonomy in regard to levying taxes. The constitution itself defines a, defines a system of unconditional transfers between federal, state, and municipal governments. So on the one hand, uh, clarity about what is it that they can levy, and on the other hand, what should devolve to them, that's also clearly laid down. Tax sharing revenue corresponds to 84% of the total resources of municipalities. So it is that high as far as a country like Brazil is concerned. The question is, um, uh, if there are enough resources, then there are lots of activities which can be taken up. But um, the, 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 uh, I was referring to the share as, uh, of GDP. Uh, municipal revenues, the share as part of GD, GDP was 1.05% in the year 2002-03. And it has been varying in that, uh, in that, at that level only, 1.02 in 78, 1.05 in 12-13, 1% in 17-18. So that is the level at which um, the share of uh, the overall municipal revenues remain as part of the GDP. So that takes us further to the next point about um, the carter structure of uh, our local bodies and what is the specialization they have. Our urban bodies do not have skilled manpower to undertake the various types of tasks. And, and here I listed an example of um, a city corporation in the state of Karnataka again, which has recently been highlighted by the CAG report. Uh, there is a commissioner, I'm talking about the executive level, there is a commissioner and next to the commissioner there are five functionaries, chief accounts officer, chief engineer, revenue officer, chief development officer and chief health officer. And these are mostly the traditional functions, health related, construction related, accounts keeping, revenue. These are the traditional functionaries which exist who are supposed to structure what should happen in the local body limit how the city moves forward. Now, these are days of um, various other new areas which need to assume importance as far as the local bodies are concerned, be it IT, be it PPP, be it generating more resources, be it um, uh, environment issues, pollution control. There are a whole lot of areas which also need to be the focus of local bodies. Transport itself, if it is a function assigned to the local bodies. And even if, see, the, the structure in our country is the posts for local bodies are sanctioned mostly by the state government. And the state government controls the number of posts. And in many of the local bodies, a certain percentage, it could be 12%, uh, 14%, 20%, it could be higher also. That many posts remain vacant also. I had chaired the capacity, the working group on capacity building some years back when the plan process was still going on. So we had recommended creation of a municipal cadre, professional in nature covering key areas of uh, modern governance, capable of meeting ever-increasing complexities of city management. Now, this again is a decision that the state government can take uh, about the structure of local bodies, what type of posts, and how is it to be funded. But quite often what happens is, since the resources itself are not there, uh, there is no excitement. The local body does not want, unless the state is prepared to find the salaries for these types of new employees or new professionals, so in effect, nothing much happens as far as professionalizing the urban local body is concerned. 
There is another issue about what are the norms for staffing. Recruitment also is quite often at the, with the approval of the state government only. Once again, the center tried to do something about it through the Amrut reform of establishment of municipal cadre, that there should be a municipal cadre. Some states have taken some initiative, but most of the states would not have a proper structure. And except for the very large bodies, the smaller ones, I'm sure you're all familiar with situations. There may be one executive officer or so who may be sometimes looking after three or four local bodies. So what type of interest he or she, she will have or the capacity he, they will have to take the city forward, taking into account the requirements of the city. If you can move on to the next one, what committees and areas about. So when this um, subject of vocal became prominent, uh, I was once again trying to look at, um, we have the local bodies as the local body councils as a third level of governance, but we have to go further down also to be closer to people. And it is possible, there are any number of examples all over the world where many things are happening at that level. See, our system, the problem is, uh, decision-making is centered at one particular level only. So if the local body or the municipal council alone can decide, you and I as residents of a particular ward or a particular area will still have to raise these issues to those, those level. We will have to look for who is the representative, try to contact him or her and try to air our views. So when the constitution was amended to provide for uh, local bodies in the constitution itself, a provision was added for having what is called ward committees. So these ward committees had to be constituted uh, and a state legislature had to make provision for this. That means in the Municipal Municipalities Act, the states had to make a provision for this. And each ward committee could consist of, it was also uh, suggested the councillor plus uh, 10 nominees or so of the municipality. What could be the functions that was also listed. The rights and duties also came to be listed subsequently when this uh, discussion went on. The, the wards uh, could prepare an annual plan or prepare a ward budget also. So these are all uh, provisions which are which are indicated. And below that would be the area sabha, which is at the polling booth level, say at the level of something like 1000 voters or so, there could be what is called an area sabha. I would amend it to the extent saying that it could be even an area unit taking into account the current scheme of things. The legislature may not provide for that, but uh, we all know that we feel closest to the functionary who is available in the vicinity. So I was looking at uh, the number of uh, houses which an, an area may have. It won't be very large. There may be already a local body office located there. That could become the headquarter for that. And these days, many things happen over the, over the digital system. So one doesn't have to be physically in touch. But when there are issues and problems, that could be the contact point. And in the context of the COVID and all that, I thought there would have been better feedback for the local body if the areas of us were functional and if there could be a feedback system which could have been taken advantage. Like I always list this example, a very old person living alone. He or she is someone who needs help. The area should know about it. The neighbors may know, may not know. But when the area knows, there is a focus on what is the type of help or a person requiring constant medical help in the normal course, not in the context of COVID. He or she has to move up to the doctor or the doctor has to become available. So these are all issues which in the concept of neighborhood, we could appropriately take care of if there is some sort of sanction or authority for that. So uh, the under the reform agenda, central government again tried, tried uh, saying that in the urban national urban renewal mission, the community participation law should be enacted by all the uh, local bodies participating, which provided details of both these uh, 
ward committees and area sabhas. Area sabha is not included in the constitution, but it was an addition as part of this uh, community participation law and the model Nagara Raj bill, which got circulated. So if you had these two more levels, people would have felt much, much more closer to the governance system at the local bodies. And whatever little problems we have, sometimes water is not available. There is an issue about supply, waste management, certain things are not happening the way it should be, street lights, issues like that. So there are so many such local issues which could have been better addressed by having one focal point, which in turn would have taken it up with the local body uh, official concern and would have found a solution and a feedback would have been given to the person concerned that you raised this problem yesterday by today morning, this has been addressed, this is a solution or this is the time it will take. That's the type of governance we expect at the local level. So in making, uh, and, and once again, I rely on the CAG report for Karnataka 2020 report, that's why I repeat it. They, they said ward committee is not constituted in any of the city corporations except for Bengaluru Municipal Corporation. Uh, one exception is the state of Kerala where ward committees have been constituted and they tried to have meetings also, but that in this is very low. They did not go below the level of the wards uh, because they thought ward committees are sufficient. And to a certain extent, I think some of these other uh, states also, like um, at that time during the reform time, Andhra Pradesh government provided for area sabha. Guwahati also provided for area sabha, but whether they are meeting, whether they are functional, that's a different issue. So limited number of states have provided for area sabhas, but uh, they have not really started serving the purpose. So if we have uh, the ward committees and area committees, they could play a key role with regard to generation and maintenance of data about residents at the local level. They can constantly monitor service delivery. They can immediately report on deficiencies which are there. A networking is possible. Highlighting of issues is possible. Requirements can be highlighted. Participation can be encouraged. I mean, when we have a unit uh, 10, 10 houses away, we would naturally tend to walk in there. If there is a meeting on a Sunday or so, people would want to join and think about one's, one's area and problems. So promoting a, uh, a, a, an idea of local leadership, which is something which is required because democracy, if it is to take its proper form, uh, leadership should get promoted right at that level because from there the leaders start rising and then they rise to further levels. I don't know whether that is the reason why no one wants an area or a, or a ward committee, because then uh, I, I, I generate a threat to myself here. Moving on to the next one. Service delivery regulator. Now we talk about service delivery, which is a function which is in some places it's um, performed well, okay. Some places it is very pathetic. So who can ensure that the services which you are supposed to get, the basic services which you are supposed to get, are made available to us? Do we still keep making complaints and sending representations and things like that? Or can there be an arrangement whereby an independent mechanism looks at that? Say management of water supply and sewerage. It's a primary function of an urban body quite often. And people get connected as far as these services are concerned. Now, when we look at water, access to pipe to, pipe to water for each household, uh, where do we stand? When will universal coverage happen? The Amrita talks about that. If it is not so, then what is the alternative available? What are the hours of supply wherever there is water supply? It should be known to everyone. Uh, what, is the, what are the measures taken for reducing wastage of water? That's an important subject. Uh, Amrita talks about reducing water losses to less than 20%. Grievance management. If you have a grievance, what do we do? Uh, what is one supposed to do? So these are some of the key issues relating to water supply. Uh, and as I said, the central government tries its best through the reform, through the um, 
missions, the assistance programs to introduce these reforms, which should be taken up. And there should be a benchmark of at least 20% of the wastewater generated should be recycled, recycling of water. That is something which is happening all over. So we tend to take these things lightly that water wasted, we are not concerned. So the awareness has to come about. That is where the local leadership matters a lot. And the mechanisms have to be in position. So there should be a transparent system by which citizens can also rate different services. There's nothing wrong in that. Whether my water supply is okay or not. In our area, the waste management is up to the level or not. We should be able to rate it continuously, constantly, and, and that should go as a feedback to the municipal system. And these are all methods required to bring about improvements. Service standards have to be met. Now, who decides the tariff? How are grievances addressed? How are user charges uh, levied, which should cover the cost? These are all issues which would also need to be addressed. So something like a municipal services regulator, some states talk about having one regulator at the state level. I'm not very sure it will work like that. We are talking about something which is accessible, available, closest to the area possible, whether it should be urban local body-wise or whether it should be sector-wise and what, what form it should take. This is something, again, which has really not been taken forward. Moving on. Now, uh, I'm sure the audience must be familiar with what is called the service level benchmarks. There are six sectors for which the Union Ministry of Urban Development formulated the service level benchmarks and circulated it to all the states, local bodies, so that they should take they should take it up. Now, when, when we, again, if they take the uh, example of water supply, what is the coverage? There is a certain benchmark given. What is the per capita supply? What is the extent of metering that has happened? And when will it get completed? What is the extent of non-revenue water for which there is no revenue becoming available? The continuity of supply. I mean, in this huge country, we also have certain areas where I'm told in some parts of some cities, water is supplied on alternate days only. Now, these are all explanations which should be available to the people. Why is it so? What is the bulk availability of water to the local body? And where does it go? How much is wasted? What has been done to reduce the waste? So these things should again be known to people at, at the ground level. Uh, redressal of uh, uh, grievances, then cost recovery, efficiency in collection of collection of charges, water charges, then sewage management, there are issues, stormwater drainage, there are points to be covered, uh, solid waste management, average per capita generation of waste in our country per day, per person is 450 grams. And it seems to be going up only. We are supposed to move in the direction of zero waste. So what are the efforts which are to be made and how does it get converted into action at the local level? We saw a lot of work under the Swachh Bharat Mission, but I don't hesitate in saying that even after the Swachh Bharat Mission, there are big cities in our country where when you go through certain roads, you find garbage piled up. Then I look at the reason for that. Uh, probably people have a tendency to throw it at a place where they are not affected. Probably they do not know of arrangement where they can deposit that waste. Either there should be a collection mechanism, door-to-door -door collection is something we should have been assured by now. Uh, I remember some government figures were out of uh, uh, 75,227 watts. I think, no, in, in 75,227 watts in the country, there is a mechanism of door-to-door -door collection of waste. So if that is so, which are the watts left out and what is the change we can bring about? Uh, and here I, I refer to, uh, and, uh, first of all, uh, first the, the Finance Commission recommendations, both the 13th Finance Commission and the 14th Finance Commission had emphasized this point that um, state governments must gradually put in place 
standards for all essential services provided by local bodies. So laying down standards and then monitoring it, benchmarking it and taking stock. It's not a one-time affair, it has to be a continuous affair. So the 14th Finance Commission also repeated the point, urban local bodies will have to measure and publish service level benchmarks for basic services. This is something when it was initiated, that was the dream I had that every year the mayor will go before the press public and say that this is where we were when the year started as far as our service levels are concerned. This is the improvement we have been able to bring about. Why can't mayors and chairpersons do that? But no one does that. And there's no point complaining about it's not within my scheme of things. Of course, in some states, water is the subject which is managed by the water board at the state level. But then there are various other areas where these benchmarks can be uh, taken up, action uh, ensured, and people can feel more comfortable about it. So here I refer to one example of, uh, you know, water supply was privatized in the city of London. And affinity water is one of the uh, uh, utilities uh, doing undertaking this task. So I'm referring to a figure in 2019 when um, its uh, chief executive went public saying that, I want you to know that we have not met our leakage target this year or last year. The, the chief executive is telling the public, I find this unacceptable and apologize wholeheartedly. Look at the style of governance. I mean, here, if you go to a representative, you say, Acha dekhenge, we'll see to it. That is the response we are most likely to get. But he says, I find it unacceptable and I apologize wholeheartedly. We will incur penalty of 8 million pounds from the regulator. The regulator will immediately uh, impose a penalty on him for not meeting the targets. Uh, the regulator there is known as off that. This will be returned to our customers through their bills from next year. Here our tendency would be to collect that penalty also from all of us. But there he is assuring that from next year, I'll, I'll see to it that what I deposit as penalty will be returned to the consumers. That is the style of governance and that is the style of functioning. We keep traveling. Sir, somehow we lost your voice. Still visible, I suppose. Yes. 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 Now, now it's okay. Yes. Yeah. Please. So that is as far as accountability is concerned. I mean, it's one thing, it's two sides of the coin. You ask for more powers, but then you have to be accountable also, which is important. So then we move on to the next one, uh, UMTS, uh, Unified Metropolitan Transport Authorities. Now transport is one area about which people feel much, much more concerned in the cities. Day by day problems coming up. I just went on the roads of Delhi today. Uh, traffic is almost the same as what it used to be before COVID also. Uh, there is that mad rush. There is that overtaking from left, right and center. There is that pushing the other vehicle also and um, dashing against the other vehicle also. There is no space left on the roads. So that continues and this is going to continue. So the urban transport policy of 2006 and the various measures, one of the measures I always emphasize is to have something like the unified transport authority at the city level. What we mean by unified transport authority is, uh, I can, I'm audible, right? Yes, yes, sir, please go. Ah. Because I see a static scene. So what I mean is we have different mechanisms of public transport. Say, if you take the example of Delhi, uh, suburban rail services to a certain extent, but metro, uh, buses, and other forms of transport. 
So if each one takes its own path, then where is the integration? Then there is also the issue about the last mile connectivity. So public transport system as a whole for a city, and a city like Kochi has shown the example of can go beyond that also. They have brought into the scheme of things the three wheelers also, and there is a mechanism today. If you go to Cochin, most probably I think you can just use a card and make the payment for the trip also. So public transport systems being planned in isolation, that regime has to change, and integration has to come about. Ease of the ease of being able to move from place to place, that is the core of a smart city also. We keep talking about smart cities. And this has happened in cities like Seoul, Singapore, Yokohama, Barcelona, all these considered smart cities. And they all have a sound transport system as at the core of their smartness. So when we talk about smartness, we have to understand what are the primary smart features which people look for. And that is something which we have to provide. We must have these, these authorities at the, at the city level. It should be through a legislative provision, and that is where I referred to long back, Andhra Pradesh legislated for that, then uh, Tamil Nadu legislated for uh, one in Chennai. Very recently, at the end of 2019, Kerala legislated for such an authority covering the big cities. So they can have one authority, but different composition for the three big cities they have, and later they can have it for other cities also. So transport is a subject in which local bodies have to take active interest because that has become so key today. Involve ward and area committees and proactively work out solutions uh, collaborating with the state. Now, residents, we as residents of different corners, parts of the city, we know what our transport problems are. So we should be able to highlight it that I find it difficult for my daughter or for my sister or whoever it is when she has to come back from work at 10 in the night, is isolated, no street lights, there is no local service, local transport available. So issues like this should get highlighted and there should be mechanisms. I even visualize the situation. Uh, in areas or routes where regular buses do not fly, we should be having some sort of small mini buses or so, which when they have enough passengers will take ground in the entire colony and drop people at different places. So there should be mechanisms like that, which should be possible. And these are all concepts we have to think about. So the UMTA or the, or, or the uh, transport authority for the city will be a mechanism for effective city participation. Since the local body itself cannot take care of transport, this is a best mechanism of coordination. And this is again an area where the local uh, participation can be much, much more prominent and there can be better solutions. Next, please. Now, here I'm referring to what is called a memorandum of understanding by the local bodies with the states. Now, quite often we all come across what the mayor or the chairperson will say, I have no power, so what do I do? Even though one may not have passed, there is a way of taking things forward. Now, there are any number of programs which are available in the urban sector itself, currently Smart Cities and Amrit, and there are other programs, uh, Swachh Bharat Mission, Housing, these are all there. So if the mayor keeps saying that I am not heading that, so I am not bothered. I envisage a situation where the mayor or the chairperson should be in a position to have a dialogue with the state government, maybe at the beginning of each year, that these are my priorities for my city and through your programs, I want these, these, these things to happen. Or I want this sort of an integration among programs so that people have better advantage. And I want these targets to be met. Say again, the, the issue of bulk water. Water supply goes on, but is any city 
can any city say that 10 years from now, what will be my water problem? I have assessed that and I have projected my requirement. And these are the phases in which I want solutions to this. One, I'll reduce my wastage in, to this level, but I will need augmentation of supply from X or Y, whatever it is. So I want a scheme for that, which should come into operation during the next 10 years or so, so that 10th year, I still can continue to provide water to every household according to a certain schedule. Waste management. <clears throat> uh, there are many places where waste cannot be disposed of. Urbanization has to lead to that scenario also. So can we have a group of local bodies deciding how exactly waste is to be disposed of? There could be mechanisms for that. That is also a dialogue. That is where uh, an area where probably the state should come in and facilitate these local bodies coming together. Public transport, as I mentioned, it's not just confined to the city only. From the city, if there are two adjoining cities or towns, how does one move about? That Since that local body is separate, I won't talk to them. That cannot happen. The leadership has to come at the local body level. Then funding possibilities, external funding, uh, sewage management would require larger funding. So what state schemes, what external aided programs, housing requirements, slum management. We may at the moment reach a target of housing for all, but people will keep coming into the cities. What is the future arrangement? What is it that I want for my city? And what is it that I want ensured as far as my city is concerned so that further slums will not come up? That is the type of leadership which has to come out from the, from the urban body. Roads, highways, waterways, these are possibilities. Once again, I refer to the example of Kerala, Kochi, where there is a uh, mobility hub coming up. From the hub, you can take either a water metro or a regular metro or buses or three wheelers. So that type of an arrangement is coming into existence in some cities where there, there is uh, thinking about the future. There are various central programs, how to leverage them. That is a leadership role the mayor, the chairperson have to play. And as I said, cluster approach, combined authorities is something which has been tried in the UK. Uh, four or five or whatever number of local bodies get together through a statutory arrangement and they decide to work together, not only in terms of uh, finding solutions to these problems, but also economic leverage, which is possible, rather than do things in an isolated manner for X city or Y city. What is it that, that can be done together? That is, uh, that's, I think that will be the new way of working rather than, uh, you know, <clears throat> we talk about silos. One local body limited to its limit, limits only. It has to go beyond that. So, and also the mayor's chairperson should be able to work with other entities. One lesson from the separate SPV for the smart cities is that under the Jawaharlal Nehru mission, one tried entrusting everything to the urban local body, but it did not succeed to the extent required. So the central government thought that it's better that these funds are entrusted to a body which will be accountable and which will be able to generate further resources. Now, whether this SPVs for smart cities will succeed or not, that is something which we'll see in a year from now or so. But <clears throat> these changes in forms of governance come into existence because the mayor or the chairperson is not really there to play the leadership role. So we have to move away from this tendency of just harping on multiplicity of authorities, how to work in harmony, do away with the focus on status and protocol and things like that, and be able to uh, work as the generators or leaders of change as far as the various activities are concerned. Next, please. So that would take me to... <clears throat> the a, a whole lot of issues. How does data get generated? How do we make use of data? What is the information base which we should be having? What is the type of networking which we can have rather than just be confined to one's on limited areas? The digitalization process, citizen participation. So compared to earlier days, data has become something which is of utmost importance in today's scheme of things. 
various types of data get collected. They are there at the local body level, but are they accessible to the people? That is one fundamental question. Is that which is being collected put to proper use in improving governance and better decision making in the context of people at the local level? That also becomes important. Now for this, the local body would need some sort of guidance and some sort of technical uh, <clears throat> participation. Unfortunately, they do not have any such uh, wherewithal today, so they depend on consultants. Now, to what extent dependence on consultancies lead to proper results or how lasting those will be, that is again a subject to be debated. Scope to improve data collection practices exists. Status of automation of processes that also needs to be looked into. Question of proper technology practices, open data platforms which are regularly updated. That would be relevant for our cities. Uh, sharing of information, effectively communicating with citizens and keeping them abreast of various activities. Today, there are various places where um, the digital mode is used to communicate with people. Does that really happen? That can happen better, I would think, at a local level, at the areas of a level or so, where keeping people in the loop would be much, much more easier, faster and facilitative and, and more participative if that can be taken care of. As an example, study of local councils in the United Kingdom some years back found that cost of face-to-face -face transactions was 8.6 pound. That is, if there's a transaction worth face-to-face, like we talk about you know, meeting a person and getting a work done. If it is done via telephone, it was costing only 2.8 pounds. But only 15p for transaction via a website. So they have categorized it. And one can see the advantage if it is properly structured, if it's positioned, if it works well, there's a huge uh, cost saving also possible. Openness about data, sharing of information among people and having hassle-free networking arrangements with a convenient digital setup will all make local governance more participative and meaningful for city residents. Once again, I'll refer to the example of New York, which is one of the world's leading digital metropolises. Figures collected some years back showed that the city government engages over 25 million people a year through more than 200 digital channels. As a pioneer in open government, New York City government has unlocked thousands of public records, enabling technologists to build tools that help New, York, New, York, New Yorkers every day. New York City's digital sector growth at one stage propelled it to rank second in venture capital funding. So that, uh, that is the type of possibility. Uh, another example from the UK, the City Growth Commission uh, said metros need to improve their capacity to collect and analyze data about the economy and public services. Without robust granular data, metros are limited in their ability to plan and commission effectively. Aligned service budgets and in in an integrated reform agenda, which has the power of timely, accurate information. And briefly, the 14th Finance Commission also referred to this. They said since, uh, since Finance Commission 11, they have sought data from states on finances of local bodies, but which has never been available uh, for all, uh, all the states across. These were hampered by a lack of reliable data provide, <coughs> provided performance grants to make uh, reliable data available. They made a beginning also, but that does not that does not really uh, work. So the importance of data. Next, please. So I come to the final part of it. Uh, I'll I'll try to give some leads as to how do we make local vocal. It it is the need of the hour. 
the principle of subsidiarity also lays down that what is best at the local level should be done at the local level. Uh, governments emphasize this point. Uh, that also reminds me the complaint made by the mayor of uh, Greater London that initially he felt that he was not involved in the process of uh, addressing the corona issue. But there are situations when central governments think that they should drive the agenda quickly so that it's not left at uh, local people's wills and all that. Once they started with that, subsequently they, they decided that wherever local bodies or the mayor can play an active role, he or she should play an active role. So I have um, uh, listed five boxes or five areas. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not advocating any, any agitation and things like that. But, uh, today, while preparing for this, I was thinking some of the, some of the methods we adopted to have a Lokpal, there was a huge agitation. But for the Swachh Bharat mission, it was a mission initiative, which was backed with funds, which was backed with drive. So we have different types of examples of how to get things done. So I would sum it up by saying that our vote matters. Now, I was again thinking of situations when someone comes for uh, our vote for the local body election or the municipal or the state, state assembly election, we should be able to have a dialogue with the person that what is it that you are going to do as far as empowering the local bodies and making things better at the local level is concerned. Because the MLA need not be concerned so much about whether the drain here has been cleaned or not. It's something which is well done at the local level, but there should be mechanisms in position. Where does the MLA come in? The legislation has to provide for that. And where does the person seeking election for the local body come in? He or she also has to decide that everything need not be done at the council or the body level. It, had, it can happen at other levels also. So my problem also will be much less and I could be a facilitator. So engaging with MPs and MLAs to get this change, uh, to bring about this change would be important. The second point is advocacy. I suppose uh, these types of lectures and what IMPRI does, and I suggested that we should involve some opinion makers in this process so that advocacy is there very effectively for getting these things done. If a leader of the country is convinced that this has to happen, I'm sure this will happen. But that has its implications from political and other points of view about which we may not be that familiar. But our concern is better governance at the local level. For that, what needs to be done? Uh, probably other fora, like the various independent fora, which we have opinion makers and the type, they should come in actively to, uh, to advocate this cause. Uh, creating competitive pressure of uh, comparing performance of UL, ULBs. That also would be one way of doing everything. I mean, there could, be a, there could be a mechanism of comparing the performance of local bodies in this area, 10, 20 of them. And um, so that it comes out which local body took the initiative and they could make a difference. The third point is um, activating ward committees. The constitution provides for that. And it's only a question of implementing that. Uh, here I would uh, recollect a Terry report of 2009, which said informed and taxpaying citizens should demand better services and greater accountability. How is that to be done? So this would be one platform and going below that, the area unit, which would be a much, much more friendlier and closer unit as far as the local residents are concerned. So that takes me to the next point, areas of us making areas of us functional. There is no provision for it as of now, except for what has been advocated through the Nagaraja bill. At the local level, this can be made the foundation for improving local governance and make ordinary people feel they are part of their own governance, which becomes important. And again, I was visualizing 
uh, a local unit does not mean that only for the rich or the powerful. There could be representation from, if there are laborers living in the area, there could be representation. Women should be equally well represented so that those issues and their participation is there. Professionals could be there. They could guide about very many activities. And these are all possibilities if um, this concept is taken up. Uh, urban local bodies uh, complain about lack of consideration by state governments. Local residents have similar grievance against the local bodies. So begin with the change at that level. Let's not wait for change at the top. Begin with the change at the local level. And linking of performance with uh, funding. Uh, link, I would suggest all government and multilateral assistance programs funding with the performance of local bodies with regard to service level benchmarks and reforms. This was stated in one stage, but in our scheme of things, since all local bodies uh, do not uh, function alike, this does not really come about. But we have to move in that direction so that everyone should know, every local body should know that if I perform, then I am there in the scheme of things. Otherwise, I am doomed and I won't get re-elected. People won't vote for me. Uh, so before concluding, I just want to refer to some personalities also. Uh, Jawaharlal Nehru was mayor of Allahabad during 1924-26. So it's not that our politicians are not used to what it is. And in recent times, you know, Mr. Fadnavis in Maharashtra became chief minister was mayor of Nagpur. Uh, so there are people who rise from local body leadership to state level, but not many of them. And when they reach that level, probably either their approach changes or the way, the way they look at things, that also undergoes a change. In the Latin American countries, we heard about Curitiba, Bogota and all that were uh, the bus rapid transit system was brought in very actively. And there was names like Penelosa, who was the mayor, that became very prominent. In that continent, uh, a successful mayor immediately becomes a candidate to become the president of the country. Boris Johnson, who was mayor of Greater London, is the prime minister of the UK today. So there are people who have risen. But then the question is, even with these type of people rising up to those levels, why is it that local governance is not getting the importance which it should get everywhere? Uh, it cannot be answered very quickly or in one sentence, but the efforts have to be there. What type of efforts? As I said, we have to be at it continuously and we have to be um, striving with our electoral process to get these changes done. At the same time, parallelly having other mechanisms of, uh, of for these being taken up. I think I've a little bit exceeded my time. I stop conclude at this stage. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And I suppose this focusing and highlighting will lead to discussions in the country. That is what is important. I always recall what one of my ministers told, books should lead to ideas. So these discussions should lead to ideas getting taken up. And I have great hopes on IMPRI uh, taking this agenda forward. Let's not leave it at this. Step by step, let us take this forward. Even if we make a um, little bit progress and success, that is worth it. And that will be a good indication of uh, people getting a, getting a feeling of they are involved in governance as such. And that is required in our democracy. At the grassroots level, people should feel in, involved and some of them may rise to other levels. Thank you very much. Over to you, Dr. Uh, thank you, Dr. Rangshan, for your insightful lecture. Uh, surely your lecture will motivate us to a lot of more discussion on how to empower the local government. And it is very much evident from your lecture that this empowerment of local government, the strengthening of the local government is not only need of the hour, it's not only because that uh, since we have a pandemic situation like COVID-19, so local government needs to be empowered. It's not like that. Local government needs to be empowered if we need to solve uh, the problems, the governance problems in which the Indian cities are 
uh, or Indian cities have been facing for the last uh, 50 years since independence. Okay, because after all, uh, one of the major uh, aim of the urban policy making in India is to make the cities growth nodes. And if we want to make the cities the engines of growth, then there is no deny, there is no uh, uh, no way out or no alternative uh, to the import the importance of making the uh, city government truly empowered. And you rightly mentioned during the course of your lectures, uh, I think you mentioned uh, the importance of three Fs, funds, functionaries, and finances. And uh, also you mentioned about the uh, types of functions which have been devolved to the urban local bodies as far as the constitutional provisions uh, are there. For example, uh, and also at the same time, you mentioned about uh, how uh, the devolution of such functions have been incomplete even after 25 years of decentralization. For example, you talked about the urban planning. Uh, unfortunately, the urban local bodies, most of the city governments, it's not only in Karnataka, it's most of the city governments in all over in India, they do not have any role to play in urban planning. And it's really surprising because, for example, nowadays a lot of discussion has been going on uh, how to use land as one of the important financial instruments to improve the financial health of the urban local bodies. But unfortunately, uh, the urban local bodies do not have any role to play in land use planning. So here is the, uh, here is the deficit, uh, which is very much glaring in the context of Indian cities. And also uh, you mentioned about like, uh, for example, uh, the JNRM, Amrut, all the national level program, they have a kind of reform conditionalities in the form of devolution of certain functions. And uh, well, the functions are needed to be devolved. So that's one part. But the other part of the story is that, uh, as you rightly mentioned, that most of that municipalities are now being entrusted with certain mandates which are unfunded because the municipalities, they do not have any money to, to finance their uh, uh, functions. And, and uh, you mentioned about the revenue base, you mentioned about the uh, property tax, the most buoyant source of revenue, and, uh, not even, and even for these buoyant source of revenue, the municipalities, they, do not, they, they, they lack complete autonomy, for example, to decide on the tax rate, uh, to decide on the exemptions and so and so forth. So, the, so these are very critical issues. And also uh, uh, you rightly mentioned about municipalities have uh, functions, they, they have been devolved certain functions with them, but they do not have adequate skilled manpower to carry out those responsibilities. So that is also a serious problem. And you mentioned about the importance of creation of a municipal cadre, uh, uh, which, which could, be, uh, which could uh, improve uh, the capacity of the urban, uh, urban or, or, the city, or the city governments. In fact, uh, I, I'd like to mention here that in West Bengal, uh, just a few days, a uh, few years ago, a new post was created. That was the post of urban planner. So the uh, idea of the urban planner uh, was to help the urban local bodies or the city governments uh, to 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 uh, to devise uh, the plans and programs. That was the uh, that was uh, a post was created. But uh, I think after 2015 or so, uh, I'm not sure whether uh, the urban planners are continue to be engaged with the urban local bodies or not, in, in case of West Bengal. And also, you mentioned about the importance of the participatory provisions. You mentioned about the ward committee. And also, you mentioned about the areas of a community uh, participation law. Uh, uh, it is constitutionally mandated that the local uh, uh, and, and, the, and uh, uh, 
uh, if this area shava can be constitutionally mandated then there is a huge possibility or huge potential that this uh, that the local gov government can be brought more closer to the citizens uh, and, and, and unfortunately in most of the states what committees are not even being formed and even when where the what committees are being formed participation is low especially uh, uh, as you know uh, so the, the, in the context of uh, uh, most of the state government in the context of most of the state government since urban development is a state subject so uh, 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 there is a lot of differences the way these constitutional amendments have been actually implemented at the state level for example west bengal has been considered as a front runner in the in, in the in the implementation of the decentralization in west bengal uh, i think apart from two other or three other states west bengal is uh, and kerala where there is a provision of constitution of ward committee in each and every ward okay but even after the provision of constitution of uh, uh, ward committee at each and every level participation i personally uh, done certain uh, did some field surveys in uh, six municipalities of west bengal including both the large size cities and the small size cities uh, there obviously the ward committees have been formed in paper but the participation the functioning of the ward committees the annual general meeting of the ward committee they are not being held at all okay and even if they are uh, they are being held the participation is very very low which actually uh, defeat the very Uh, purpose of the constitutional mandates and also uh, at the uh, one thing uh, in this context i would like to know uh, like uh, whenever we are uh, we are we are concerned with these fund functionaries and finances so the entire approach is a kind of one side fit fit approach fit for all approach so uh, it is uh, obvious that uh, the capacity of a big city like delhi is not comparable with a small city for example if we consider a small municipalities in odisha or a small municipalities in jharkhand it may not be possible for those urban local bodies uh, to perform all the functions which are specified uh, in the 12th 12th schedule so uh, can we think of uh, uh, like uh, can we think of any municipal list you, you talked about the municipal uh, yeah, municipal list so can you think of any municipal list which are suitable based on the city sizes which are more or less responsive not responsive rather they are related to the capacity of the uh, local city governments if can we think of any such municipal finance list for example if, uh, uh, the, uh, the the larger cities they have a large economic base so obviously they are much more uh, financially uh, uh, they, they enjoy financial autonomy so in that case uh, obviously Uh, the 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 ability of those of the large cities to 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 deliver the services to supply the services would be much higher as compared to the smaller cities so in that case if we can think of some need based transfer system or something like that if we can think of anything like that maybe in the context of finance commission uh, report and also if we can think of any such thing and uh, uh, and at the end of the day no oh, sorry another important thing you mentioned about the important role of the mayor uh, uh, will uh, it would be nice if the mayor can prioritize their uh, city needs and then demand uh, fund according to their needs and priorities uh, and you meant and in fact in most of the other cities of the world uh, be it uh, bogota be it barcelona or be it london uh, the uh, mayor of, of those cities they uh, took a very important and very important role in the context of fighting the covid 19 they lead in, in fact literally they lead from they lead from the front however in the context of uh, indian cities most of the uh, mayor they are a sort of ceremonial position 
the all the executive power rest with the municipal administrator administ the, the municipal commissioner which is a state appointee so this is another uh, kind of uh, uh, lacuna which is there in the in our city governance structures which uh, which we need to address and uh, lastly you mentioned about the data and you mentioned about the type of data the accessibility of data to the people the, imp the how to use such data and you mentioned that uh, about the uh, provision in the finance commission finance commission in the in fact i think the 13th and 14th finance commission they have certain specific provisions or they have made certain grant conditional on uh, sound data management so if uh, that can be extended a bit and lastly uh, you advocated the judicious use of vote uh, it is very really it, 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 it is it is it is indeed important to strengthen the accountability channel uh, to achieve the better governance at the local level so and also uh, you mentioned about the importance of uh, some comparison or comparing the performance of certain urban local bodies i think uh, in the recent past uh, in 2019 the government of india and the ministry of housing and urban development had come up with a municipal performance index uh, so that they can be compared across, uh, so that the, all the cities in the in India they can be compared, and also and if 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 in some way uh, 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 these uh, performance index can be linked to the funding uh, which the city governments receive. So these are some of the thoughts uh, which have come up, and so I uh, now. Well, so uh, let me first uh, uh, just, I, uh, there are certain interesting questions which have come up. So I first place those questions before you. So then I'll, uh, uh, after um, uh, your res uh, response or uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, ask some other questions from my part. Uh, so one of the, uh, one of our attendees, uh, uh, his question is, what is the relevance of Nagar Raj bills? You have mentioned that was the Nagar Raj bill, community participation law. Uh, so the question is, can it be implemented across the country? And what has stopped the Indian cities from implementing this? And uh, what is your take on, should we amend the 74th Constitutional Amendment Act? Because now, it, and it is very much important, it is uh, uh, even the proponents of the smart cities, they are also now uh, uh, advocating the amendment of the 74th Constitutional Amendment Act, especially when the, there is a clash of interest between the special purpose vehicles and the city governments, uh, who is actually owning the city, who is the actual decision, make, decision makers. So there are certain private uh, consultants agencies who are advocating uh, amending the 74th Constitutional Amendment Act. So what is your thought on it? So uh, uh, first, uh, uh, what is the relevance of Nagararaj bill? Can it be implemented across the countries? And, what is, and uh, how far is it possible to amend the 74th Constitutional Amendment Act? And uh, should I uh, continue with another question? Because there is another question is there. If you think a group of questions should be taken up together, I have no issue. Uh, this, so is also, this is also related to this, uh, the first question. The yeah. second question is uh, how do, or how to make the union government accountable to ensure the financial streamlining of the urban local bodies? Uh, because the urban local bodies, they do not have money. And so they fail to provide the services. So uh, can we think, can we, can we, can we uh, rethink the entire urban governance model differently so that uh, we can bring in more financial accountability, we can bring in uh, more accountability on the part of the leadership also? Thank you. So I take those three questions. First one is about the Nagara Raja bill. 
see the fact that it is a bill means it is something which has to be taken up for implementation so it was circulated to all the states um, so that they can provide for this ward committees areas about their functions duties how they are to be constituted and things like that based on that the states had to amend their uh, municipalities act to give re uh, representation to these subjects ward committees as i said there is a provision existing in the constitution but it's not comprehensive enough so it's only a draft suggested bill which are circulated to states and the domain is that of the state the center cannot implement it because the local bodies is a state list and the states have to do it municipal corporation acts and municipalities act they are all within the domain of the state legislative assembly so the state has to take a call whether they would like to implement it fully partly or they don't want to implement in many states that is the situation they have not implemented it number 2 about amending the constitution this this amendment of the constitution itself i mean it would, i'll be i'll be very curious to find out how did this happen in 1992 because uh, uh, this would not have been to the liking of many people uh, at least providing for the local bodies in the constitution itself but there are certain times when certain things happen so uh, it's it was one of those uh, times i think when uh, the uh, the constitution amendment could go through so i don't see any immediate possibility of constitution being amended to bring about further changes because that requires lot of um, discussion unanimity uh, unity of thinking uh, among the states also that these changes can be brought about in the constitution that will does not seem to be existing now so i don't see a possibility of another constitution amendment at this stage for a purpose like this which is not um, in the day to day scheme of things an immediate priority so to say i mean there are amendments happening but uh, the the nature of the amendments uh, not 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 as sort of local bodies are concerned other subjects so uh, i don't see a possible but if possible there is a requirement as i said uh, is it possible to have what is called a local bodies list after the central and state list as far as functions are concerned as far as devolution and financing sources are concerned if it is possible nothing like it that could be thought of the next place mechanism we have is the finance commission the central finance commissions which are also supposed to look into that but they always keep complaining about we do not have full uniform data from states about the state finance commission reports first of all there is no uniformity as far as the period is concerned second uh, all states do not have finance commissions in position as per the regularity the five year period and those commission reports should have adequate data which can be taken into account by the central finance commission while making a recommendation so there is a huge gap there so one of the requirements would be which has been time and again emphasized is the state should have a continuing mechanism of having what is called a state finance commission cell or unit or so and they should constantly build up on what needs to be uh, prepared and kept ready for the state finance commission and the terms of reference of the state finance commission there is there is another subject of debate about who should be part of the state finance commission there is nothing clearly laid down as to who can be the members of the state finance commission and about accepting the recommendation of the state finance commission again it is left to the sweet will of the state government as to what is it that they want to accept and what is it they can afford to ignore so all these things together need to be looked into if a change is possible but the next best level would be the states themselves deciding to bring about changes in their municipal legislation to the extent possible the third point is um, how to make union government accountable i don't see any question of union government being made accountable because it is not their subject and they cannot do that 
it is the states which are responsible for the urban local bodies only the state local bodies can either discipline them or make them accountable till then the center keeps trying this indirect methods of okay i'm giving you this program or this assistance but you have to see to it that these uh, reforms are taken up and these changes are brought about and for that there is an mou signed involving the state government and the local body that saying that okay we will take up these reforms and we will implement them and then i told you the story about the on paper they show it as the reform has been implemented but uh, in effect whether all functions have been transferred or not that is something which would be a subject of another study or review whether it has actually happened or not or they have issued just a circular saying that these functions stand transferred to the local body so it is not a question of making the central government accountable and it is not possible in the scheme of things as far as the urban local bodies are concerned it is the state governments which have to uh, take a call and decide because it is in their domain and there is a limit to which the center can dictate to the states of course the statutory nature of the local bodies was brought into the constitution at that time i suppose in consultation with states also states would have participated in that process but in today's scheme of things such amendments would be absolutely difficult to be taken up and to be taken forward that completes my response to the three points just one question is it is it plausible to think of a, a local list uh, which keeping in mind the city sizes or will there be uh, a simple uh, one uniform uh, local list which will be applicable to all the cities of india so when you talk about local list i don't know which party you are referring to if it is the functions it is there listed in the constitution if it is about the resource part of it the state finance commissions are supposed to look into this and make recommendations and normally as the central finance commission norm also is there population is one of the criteria which is taken into account what is the income level that's also taken into account so normally recommendations are not uniform all across the country so they take into account the financial position and the population and the requirements so that could be better done by the state finance commissions because they have more access to this type of data and it is possible for them to do but what resource base will go to the urban bodies that is a difficult call which will have to be taken at the state level Uh, probably that would involve another commission or another study and willingness on the part of the states to part with their resources now you can look at this uh, scenario the the covid generated scenario states are finding it difficult to make things um, happen so they are dependent on various sources ultimately when um, the borrowing was permitted only then they felt a little bit relieved so states also have their constraints there is a limit to which they can go and even if powers are delegated to the local bodies to what extent they would be willing to charge for anything and everything we are used to free parking on road sides when you introduce parking charges then we crave about it sometimes we also lead agitations to that point so profession tax there are things like that various new areas which can be thought of the high powered expert committee has listed a whole lot of areas which can be thought of but do we have the 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 will to bring in more taxes at the local body level that will naturally go with our performance are we bettering our performance are we accountable to the people are we assuring the people that we are doing better when people see probably better performance they would be willing to pay more so it's a question of what is called the chicken and egg story what comes first and what can be improved so unless improvements happen and that is where concepts like service level benchmarks would come in handy for local bodies because at least they can look at these and as i said they should become the representatives of the city to struggle with the state government to get programs where they need and improvements which need to be brought about so unless they take that leadership role and show some results 
these things are not going to happen. You and I, as ordinary taxpayer, would not be willing to pay more when we are already paying for various things for which the, the result is not satisfactory or accountability is not clear. Well, thank you. So may I now request uh, Dr. Simi Mehta? Uh, well, please, Simi, go ahead. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. M. Ramachandran. It was such a delight to hear you and your expert uh, views. Uh, it is always a learning experience. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you, Dr. Somedi for uh, your uh, for moderating the session uh, so uh, actually i totally agree to you when you say that it is very important for the people to vote you know uh, towards the end of your presentation you mentioned that uh, voting really is the power uh, um, for the people uh, and uh, to uh, to exercise their power um, but uh, while this is true in a democracy and this should happen in a democracy uh, the municipal elections, or for that matter, the panchayat level elections, um, should be held as per schedule. You know, uh, we have seen uh, for one reason or the other in various parts of the country that these are postponed or um, postponed or moved um, indefinitely uh, for one reason or the other. Um, in fact, we have just seen that uh, by-elections are being held, full-fledged state elections are being held in trying times like these of COVID. Uh, so, uh, what is it that uh, is stopping us from having um, regular uh, periodic um, uh, elections at the local level? Because uh, unless and until local elections are held, it will be very difficult for the people at the grassroots to, uh, to exercise their power and be really vocal for uh, local. Uh, in fact, I believe that strengthening from below uh, would prove to be uh, important foundations uh, in creating a self-reliant India. So uh, your views on that, sir. And a separate question uh, based out of uh, pure curiosity. Um, uh, when you were uh, the leader, you were uh, the secretary for urban development during your tenure, uh, which urban local body or which state did you experience that this is the ideal um, ideal ULB or ideal state which is following all the rules and regulations in total and that can be emulated by others and um, should we have some sort of a ranking sir uh, among the ULBs just in order to instill uh, some sort of competition among them and to so that uh, they, they do all the work that is listed as per the constitution for them. Uh, and, and of course, uh, to fulfill their responsibilities towards the people. So this was my- Thank you. Thank please. you, Dr. Samya. Pleasure seeing you again. Thank uh, you, sir. Uh, two points, broadly two points. One is about the elections. Should I also add few questions? So that okay, okay, fine, yeah. fine, no issue. Please. Few questions. Yes. Uh, uh, so first of all, thank you very much for highlighting such pertinent issues and uh, over and over, over again, especially in this uh, uh, COVID times. So few, few, uh, taking cue from your lecture only, a few points I have also uh, noted down just to ask. Sir, in your view uh, for the Ward Sabha, which you are suggesting, what can be the ideal size? In villages, we know that 1,000, 2,000, or in, let us say, urban frame survey, we have one for 120 households. Uh, there are various structures. So, sir, you are also mentioning neighborhoods or blocks, uh, which can be also mixed. So, in your view, what can that size, ideal size be? 
for governance or <clears throat> local leadership to come. And <clears throat> similar point to this sir, is also since uh, cities and uh, urban uh, most of the delivery are state government subject and our states also has a major role to play in all the cities many of them are capital cities and uh, the revenue or the important places then we have suda state urban development authority and then municipal you know uh, administration and then we have for user fees so many of parastatals delhi jal board sanitation uh, dda so so much so how how and uh, most of our cities also uh, the municipalities are also very much engineers led uh, in terms of their work so how uh, onm then again and there is also economies of scale so what relation or what focus should state governments give to make their cities more independent because uh, usually central government is pushing so hard but uh, sir in your view what state government should do to make their cities more empowered or i would say independent or liberated from the, you know their clutches uh, similarly uh, really sir you have mentioned that we don't need uh, the the amendment of 74 ca uh, but really do sir in your view because transport you really mentioned one city which comes to my mind is boston in usa they really have a very good integrated system that you can uh, get down from airplane to you know go to everything all the transport mode they have an integrated system so the transport policy of 2006 especially with the green and other things coming do you think there is required for another push to amend it or update it the transport policy and uh, do should we also have some service uh, level benchmarking in the transport sector all the other sector we have with a new policy uh, integrate integration and also affordability point of view and now safety also is is there something required in that front uh, uh, similarly sir uh, uh, very focused as sir you are also mentioning the most of the state governments are not taking this reform agenda of specially giving you know in the hands of local because there are a lot of contestation most of the times uh, there is you know increase in property tax so all the local leaders are against it so giving that voice sometimes also plays uh, also against the reform most of the reforms uh, for example we have slums and uh, other things uh, bureaucrats especially sir like you see that contestation so how harmoniously we can go there and improve the the existing structure because that is one thing uh, the i think the system is not able really to uh, take and sir in your view what can be the 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 expected level of municipal budget uh, you really mentioned 1% of the gdp uh, where where can the municipal leaders really see that going in terms of direction to the tune of 1.5 to 3% as potential also Uh, so many successful schemes you have sir has really also mentioned swachh bharat mission where the political willingness and target that is very very important pradhan mantri awas yojana jandhan yojana many many big successes india have pm kisan yojana we are giving cash transfer very less amount though but to 8 crore people now that reach has increased uh, so using this technology sir how this urban governance also people can citizen centric uh, uh, can be improved really in that area what can some best practices uh, inherent from in india can be emulate from any city uh, where the interaction is also safe uh, because sir in covid now as you see you know the restriction also for meeting so can new things be developed and experimented or 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 be tried lastly uh, sir china is doing a lot of things uh, based upon land monetization 
Uh, so what is your view? Because especially for empowerment and funding for the city, many scholars do argue that uh, uh, Metro is able to do it. Uh, so what cities can do with their lands? Uh, uh, does there is any scope uh, to work upon that they, so that they also get some autonomy? Or And your views uh, on that, sir. And sir, you also mentioned that we have NULM, Swaj Bharat Mission, Smart Cities Mission, Amrut. So do you think we really need an integrated national cities mission policy? Because all are, you know, part of that. And so much of time also goes, goes into that. So nationally can uh, uh, we have one policy, you know, for cities and start focusing in an integrated manner uh, so that each cities are handholded and, you know, not that uh, by Amrut, we have Amrut, then we have this, we have this. Many a times functionary lost their way and that focus. I'll sir, stop here. Uh, please choose to answer. Yes. Thank you. First, uh, Dr. Simi's two points. First is about um, elections. There is a provision that elections have to be held once in five years. And that's a provision which has come about and the state election commissions are supposed to run this. There is no getting away from it. If anyone wants to get away, then the courts hold them accountable and responsible. And there are some limited instances where courts have asked this question. One way they get away from this is not, not as a uniform practice, but saying that the delimitation process or the, the reconstitution process for the local body is currently on. I think that's how probably Bangalore gained some time, Hyderabad gained some time, things like that. Otherwise, in the normal course, it is not difficult to go beyond the five-year term and, and wait for any number of months or years to hold another election. If you recall, I mean, you may not be privy to that. Uh, I'm talking about 10, 12 years back. Jharkhand did not have much of local body elections but they also had to fall in line. And for the first time, probably Ranchi had a municipal election after any number of years. I'm not sure whether it is uniformly happening everywhere, but the only checkpoint we have is the constitutional provision and judiciary getting into the process. The only method by which they can, state governments can postpone the election processes under one of these um, uh, criteria that a reconstitution is happening, the local body itself is being reconstituted. That is how they try. But generally, I think elections are held once in five years, with, uh, except for these exceptions, which I've talked about, which politically sometimes they try to manage, but they, they are held accountable in the, in the courts. Very Again, since I'm more close to the Kerala scenario, I think the local body tenure is coming to an end on the 11th of November or something. Uh, I understand they are planning to interest it for a certain period to the district administration and then after that elections will be notified. So there could be a little bit of a gap, but that also they will not account for because if the judiciary asked the question, why didn't you plan for holding the elections? Of course, these are difficult times. I think they would take the plea that because of the corona crisis, they did not want to go into it straight away. So broadly, I'm not, um, uh, I don't think there are instances where elections have been avoided or postponed. Uh, in, on a larger scale at any place unless you have any specific figures and which you want to refer to. And it is just not possible because constitution provides for that. The second point is about um, what is an ideal state or a local body from the point of view of uh, urban governance. Uh, this is a complicated question in the sense that either you have to have the parameters clear on what basis. Uh, very broadly, I hope no one minds this. Um, it is noticed that in the southern part of India and the western part of India, local body governance is a bit more stronger and more prominent and active. 
not so much in the northern part of India. And here I have no hesitation. I have repeated this any number of times. One of the Haryana chief ministers at one stage said when they somebody talked about empowerment and things like that. So he said, local body to local body ko to hami to paisa dete hai. So that means my control will remain. That was the message of it. And you have the other extreme in West Bengal where I think Kolkata is ruled by mayor and council and things like that. Uh, I believe you have a strange provision where the minister can be a mayor also. There are, there, are, there are strange provisions like that, though probably does not come under the Office of Profit criteria. It's provided for, but it may be good for a city like Kolkata. I really don't know. So it's very difficult to say which is ideal, but when it comes to implementation of programs and taking the initiatives and taking the reform agenda forward, this is what I noticed. The southern part and the western part are much, much more active. Probably they have been exposed to this urban governance culture long back. I referred to three big local bodies started during the 1800s. Uh, two, that is Mumbai and Chennai are in that region. Kolkata, of course, is on this part. And West Bengal itself is a different scenario. Whereas if you look at um, Punjab or Haryana or UP and all, there has not been much of a prominence as far as urban local body governance is concerned. Recently, when you all facilitated publication of my article in the Pioneer, I made it a point to send to the Secretary to the Chief Minister of UP also saying that you should consider this. I don't think they would want to consider because there are wheels within wheels as far as the political scheme of things is concerned. Uh, may not be the right candidate, but, but then look at it. Even states which provided for board committees and the like, Maharashtra provided for it, uh, Karnataka provided for it, but when it comes to actual implementation, there is nothing visible. And as I said, the area by example is only for Hyderabad, where at that time it happened. So it was pushed, it happened. I don't know whether today area sabhas are active in that um, uh, city or not. Guwahati of all the places provided for that. But it's one thing to provide for it, it's another to make them effective. To make them effective, they have to have a certain role. Normally, we talk in terms of powers and functions. If it is not there, then we just meet, have a cup of tea. Sometimes even that will be difficult. <coughs> Chit chat and go back. That is not the structure of governance. So it has to be driven by functions. It has to be driven also by accountability. So it will take time, maybe, uh, I don't know what number of years for the entire country to have a uniform pattern of good local governance, so to say. And again, these states uh, are able to perform better because their municipal structure in whatever form it exists is um, able to respond to the requirements. I, I always recall, I mean, it's not um, any partial comment, but Gujarat used to be one state, uh, once funds are released, utilization, they were always ahead, reform implementation, they were always ahead, and coming up with new project proposals, they were always ahead. That that zeal was there that we should take advantage of this program and get as much as possible for the state. So also Maharashtra, so also the other states. <clears throat> Whereas states like UP, Bihar and all, they have to drive the agenda telling them that here is a program like this, you have to undertake reforms, you have to bring come up with projects, and then they look around who will prepare projects, then willy-nilly they immediately depend on consultants. And consultants, um, I always say this, they are there to prepare the project document, after that they are out. They made their money and they're out. They are not accountable. Like uh, they have provided for roads maintenance and things like that, a period of five years or so after the roads are constructed. Similarly, consultants should be held accountable even five years from uh, completion of the project as to what you have suggested, whether that is in order or not. Of course, they will get away by saying that you didn't do this, you didn't do that. 
So that's why internalization of capacity is very important. If it's a solid waste management project, somebody from within should be able to structure it properly, own it, present it to the elected uh, members and stand by it and get it approved and implemented properly. So what is the type of leadership the local body has? One commissioner alone cannot be expected to do every such thing, nor will he be a professional. So that is where um, this difference uh, comes about. Now, to move on to Dr. Arjun's points, first is uh, uh, ideal size of a ward committee. Again, we have experiments. I think um, in the state of Kerala, all residents of a ward are members of the ward committee. They can come and attend the meeting. But um, the secretary there was telling me hardly 10%, 8 to 10% people come for a meeting when it is convened. So that is one form we have. But we must remember in uh, a city like Tiruvananthapuram, uh, a, a ward has a total membership of something like 7,400. Okay, a councillor represents 7,400. Whereas in a city like Mumbai, a councillor represents 55,000 persons. So it varies depending upon the size, number of wards and things like that. So we can have a ward committee which, in which there is total participation. Whoever wants to come can come. Or we can have a representative wards committee where uh, then one will have to structure and decide it, whether 10 people, 15 people will be nominated by the local body or elected from amongst these people. That is the structure. But normally it is agreed that the ward councillor himself should be or herself should be chairing the meeting of the ward committee so that he is in a position to communicate and uh, uh, he is able to take back what is the requirement of the area. So that is what is um, required as far as the board committees are concerned. So it cannot, one cannot lay down what, what should it be. It is something which should evolve. Uh, about the role of uh, states, uh, we have been existing in this scenario for quite some time. If states are really keen to strengthen the local bodies, they would have done it by now. So there is something missing there. And my gut feeling is it is probably that they don't want more leaders to come up in prominence at the city level. My, my gut feeling, it's not proven anywhere. The local MLA may not want a stronger person who could be a challenge. These could be the possibilities. So we have to get over these to lead, reach a system whereby uh, a change will happen. And that is where I say one had expectations. Mr. Fadnavis, from mayor to chief minister, probably would have brought about these changes, but he also couldn't. So the political scenario does not, uh, you know, favor a change like this, which should happen. So how to make the role, uh, states play the role? Uh, it's very difficult to say because these are days and states do not like too much of interference from the center also. The states themselves have to take a call. Now, every state like parliament, every state also discusses the urban local bodies budget every year. Do these points come up? Do they move in the direction of bringing about a change? Unfortunately, no. Um, updating the national urban transport policy, there was a move to update it at one stage, but Dr. Arjun, if you go through it very carefully, you find all that you want to see about urban transport already listed in that. It's a question of how much of that can we take up and how much of that can we implement. And a policy is you know, a broad direction. After that, you take off and then go to specific actions. So except for probably you know, pollution related issues, I'm not very sure that is covered, um, and green issues like these modern buses, electric, electric buses and um, fossil fuel free uh, vehicles and all those things, that may not be mentioned in detail in that, but broadly almost all the points are listed there. 
So one could take off from there, updating a policy won't make a difference unless there is a will to implement that. So you can look at it 2006 to 2020, what have states done to implement it? Incidentally, I'm writing a book on that along with Shivan and Swami. So sometime in the next first quarter of next year, you will have that book also, which lists the journey of uh, uh, urban transport from 2006. So, but you also asked a question, related question, what about service level benchmark? There is a service level benchmark concept for urban transport. The six sectors which I mentioned includes urban transport also. We had brought it out at that time, it is there. So it's not that it is lacking. So any city, if possible, if they have the wherewithal, they have to look at the policy, the service level benchmark, and the unified transport authority concept. Only then transport scenario in the city can improve. And that's a requirement. All these have to go together. And then one makes options, choices, some up for some big city ops for a metro. Then the bus lobby uh, opposes it, saying that it is more buses which are required. So that's a call which has to be taken. So I think the latest metro policy talks about alternatives analysis. I recollect uh, Jaipur coming with the, with the proposal for metro. The first question we asked was that, what is your bus network like? You haven't spread your bus network in the entire city and straight away you want to think of a metro, which at that time looked like a white elephant. And I think it continues to be a white elephant probably. Uh, it's not covering, it's not a full network which has come into existence because that type of resource is not available. So these are calls which have to be taken. And again, if you want to uh, study that, I have this problem, how many local bodies are interested with the subject of city transport? Now, you all can tell me Mumbai has that subject best has been there for any number of years. Indore took the initiative to have an SPV because the collector took the initiative. So I don't think anyone challenged it statutorily. BRTS came into existence, so there is some sort of supporting measure for that. Uh, Ahmedabad's Rajmark, there is local body also has a role in that, and it's a joint arrangement. So some of these forms are coming, have come into existence, not totally backed. I really don't know why transport is not a subject assigned to the local bodies, and probably they may not want it because where will they find these huge resources from? So it's better that it is kept away so that that headache is not with me. Let the state do it. There's no point interesting it. But the two have to work together. What is the point in a city not getting involved in the transport scenario and saying that this is not my subject, let the state do what they want? That is not the right approach. For that, we have to think of a coordination mechanism like this, which ideally I would think look at routes, look at problems of people, look at trips, look at a futuristic scenario again to quote London, transport for London. They plan for 20, 10 years ahead. What needs to be done for 10 years from now? What type of transport scenario? What needs to be strengthened? What needs to be supported? Where will the funds come from? There is no such thinking in our cities. A standalone metro comes into existence because there is a central support. If the state has some money, they invest in 10 more buses or 15 more buses. They send it to four cities. You get two buses, you get four buses. That's the type of scenario. Now, no SRTC, if they are running city services, have the capacity to go to a financial institution and ask for money. So willy-nilly government has to find the money. Where will the government find the money from? And what does one gain out of that? 10 buses introduced is not going to give them much image. Whereas a BRTS may give them a certain image. But BRTS, again, it's a subject worth studying. Why it did not take off in cities other than those 10 or 12 which have BRTS. So there are issues like this, which NUTP, if you take it seriously, and if there's a wing to take it up, they can do so much as far as this subject is concerned. Improving existing local body structures. Um, 
uh, I, I hope I got it right. I mean, one is about the the carder structure because we have to have carder which is in line with today's requirement. These are old time structures. One engineer looking after solid waste also, sewage also, water supply also, because there is no other option. Now, what type of an exposure the engineer has to whatever is modern, whatever is possible. He has no such exposure. And even if he has exposure and ideas, he doesn't have the resources to do any such thing. Then you may ask me, then why do we have so many specialists? We will have to have specialists because otherwise our cities will deteriorate further. We start with the big cities and then it travels down. And probably the big city strengths can be taken advantage by the smaller towns. They may not have to have all specialists, but if there is a solid waste specialist in the nearby big metropolitan area, I take advantage of his service and see what best I need to do for my city or town. So these are possibilities. Uh, size of municipal budget. It's again a question difficult to answer. I mean, ideally, whatever the city needs through that type of budget should be available. And since Establishment expenditure is a big part, keeping that apart, what is left for development work? Will they generate a good part of it or will they still depend on the state only? Now, we talk about carder structure and things like that. Carder structure naturally means more persons to be employed, more salaries to be paid, and more to be spent on their capacities. So that is one scenario. And on the other, we talk about the deficiencies in the cities. So it's a difficult question. I think Madhya Pradesh had restructured its carder, Andhra had done, Karnataka had done. Some states had made an effort to a certain extent. But you know, states can always play their game. They can sanction posts, but then hold back recruitment. So there are all those possibilities. And I, I shudder to think of a scenario long back when I was in the district, all the local bodies when they were superseded also were placed under the collector. Now 18 or 20 local bodies with the Mungus problems which they all have. Some can't even pay salaries to the seven persons they have. How do you manage these things? And then they go on strike. So whatever sweeping was happening, that also comes to a halt. Whatever, whatever was being supplied, that also comes to a halt. No repair, no changes. So there are issues like this. So that's why what we are talking about is, you know, these three, four words have tremendous significance. Making local, vocal. We have to learn to respect that third level of governance is important for us. Local government is important for us. It has to be empowered. It has to be made competent. It has to have professional support and it has to be able to deliver. And people should be asked, able to ask, what is it that you're doing for me? And why is it this not happening? So that, you know, keeping them on their toes all the time, that is what needs to be done. That is the direction we have to take. Today, we change state governments once in five years and quite often. That's because uh, people feel that what are what they're supposed to do have not been done. But similarly, at the local level also, it will happen. If you haven't given me proper water supply, if you haven't given me proper portable water, if your service has been deficient, then I'm not going to vote for you again. That could be the, the thinking. They don't want to risk it at that level, probably. Uh, size of municipal budget I covered, it's difficult to say, but, but the, the state finance commissions will have to be made to play a more active role because they have to take stock of things project this, work this out, and they have to provide the right inputs for the Central Finance Commission. You would have noticed over a period of time, there has been attempt by the Central Finance Commission to increase allocation to local bodies in whatever form they can do. They cannot straight away provide for a devolution, but the size has gone up substantially because Urban Development Ministry has repeatedly been presenting the viewpoint that this needs to be done, that needs to be done, so they get support for that. Uh, taking this uh, such part of the example, what more? Uh, yeah, what more? 
See, Swachh Bharat example is a mission driven by the leader of the country. Housing for all, again, driven by the leader of the country. So such things are progressing. But if we leave it to other levels and states and local bodies, again, I recall an instance during my time, there was a local body in Kerala, uh, which was getting two crores or so for some project. One crore had to come from the state, state or local body. The local body could no way provide that one crore. They were waiting for the state budget to provide for one crore for their local body. So when you look up to the state government for, you know, uh, whatever support you can get and you make do with that, you know, in that type of scenario, nothing much can change at the local level. So your, your question would be then where will the resources come from? Better devolution and some improvement as far as resource generation at the local level is concerned. There have been any number of um, attempts to have municipal bodies rated bonds. These are all possibilities. But out of the 4,041, how many have uh, been able to go for bond issue? So we don't have that local trust and local feeling of being important and local empowerment. That idea is not there. It has to come about. That's, that's one of the questions probably Simi pointed towards also. And I'm sorry to say no one should mind it. In a Haryana or in a UP or so, these local bodies, 600 or 800 of them, whatever they have, to reach a certain level, it may take ages. That's the unfortunate reality. And the states must be thinking when I'm struggling with 100 issues and portfolios and departments, why should I give prominence to local body only? Everything is happening. Education, there are schools. So let them go to schools. If education is totally interested to the local body, they have to find the salaries for all those uh, personnel plus the improvements to be brought about. Where will that come from? So if the local body looks up to the state only, then nothing much is going to change. Uh, the China example, uh, it's not only China, all these multilateral organizations always talk about land monetization. Personally, I'm not uh, greatly enamored by that subject. See, what is it? You are saying whatever land you have, whether you have it with the development authority or local body or whoever it is, you monetize it. Now, when you monetize it, I mean, again, I have written about this. During the COVID, what did we find? The local uh, Kiranawala, local shop, he served our purpose, not the malls. And these have to survive. These have to be there. There is a rapport with that person. He will even go to the extent of coming and delivering to you if you are not well. So without these local uh, uh, shops and things like that, we are not going to survive. So if we look at it from this point of view, if we monetize all possible land and give it to the highest bidder, the highest bidder will put up something and accordingly he or she will levy charges or rent or whatever it is accordingly. So we are moving into another world. So for that, we already have the malls and things like that. So I've never been enamored of this concept of land monetization. And ideally, probably all land is not vested in the local bodies because wherever you would have seen local bodies, uh, it's a vested interest which operates that. I mean, the value itself can be much less. It could go for a purpose for which some counselor or corporator has keen interest, uh, things like that. So it's always better to distribute it a little bit and keep it like that. And wherever development authorities have done it, at least they have done some auction process and raised some resources, which ultimately, if not spent by the local body, it's being spent in the area, but not judiciously spent. That's a, that's a, that's a point. So... And I don't think there is much land left now for monetizing. Whatever there is, the central government is first taking advantage of whatever there is left. 
I used to look at Mumbai Portress land, huge land they have. Now, if it was monetized and done away with, part of the greenery would have disappeared. You would have added to the congestion and confusion in that area also. You know, there are issues like that also. I, I very strongly feel whatever open areas we have, we should hold on to that now because we have done all that is possible to monetize whatever is there and put up huge structures. And there is no breathing space left now. Services are at jeopardy and reaching a place is almost difficult. So if there are chunks or patches of land which are green, whatever time limit it can be, if it can be kept like that, nothing like it. So you may ask me the question then, where would the resources come from? But that is not the only source possible. The central government, see, they are now uh, working at uh, improving railway stations. Where is the money coming from utilizing that land parcel which they have? So there are possibilities. Of course, there used to be a different feeling when we went to railway stations earlier. It used to be a nicer feeling. It used to be cooler, nicer. Now, when you go there, it'll like it'll be like any other, you know, uh, huge city uh, which you will be entering. That's that's a different issue. And the last point is about um, uh, something like a national cities policy. I have been advocate of uh, what is called an, uh, having what is called an urban strategy at the state level. See, the broad urban strategy should give uh, ideas as to which would be a huge industrial corridor and what would be the facilitation for housing to come up as per requirements. So these broad indications should be there and then works, programs, schemes should be taken up for implementation accordingly at the local level. We need economic activities. So if it's a pharma or something like that, uh, a belt which is coming up, that will be needed for employment generation also. But the state should earmark this depending upon various infrastructure availabilities, whether water is available in a particular area, connectivity issues, people needing more jobs, whether it is possible, educational facilities, even uh, entertainment facilities would be a, a matter of importance. There are so many such things. So taking that into account, if states can broadly earmark which are the areas where what should come up, that would be the urban strategy for the state as a whole. And further development should take place uh, on that basis. Now you look at this uh, Mumbai-Delhi Industrial Corridor. They designated an industrial corridor and they say what all can come up along that. So what were fallow lands at many places, what were village land at many places, they are also benefiting in the process. In that process, land monetization is fine. If people are getting the value for their money, that is fine. I don't, I don't um, complain about that. So it is earmarked, it is seen, it will be uh, working accordingly. Now, uh, what is an expressways? beyond national highways, expressways are going to come up. You may be familiar with the, the new expressways in UP, the Agra to Lucknow one. Now, you start that, movement becomes faster, but along with that, so many villages can take advantage of a facility like that, provided there is that support for uh, infrastructure development, further development. So, states have to have an idea as to what is it that I want in my state and which are the areas, what would do well in which, which part and what would be supported. So that is required. Other than that, I don't know whether uh, a, a single policy will be possible because policies are there, urban transport policies there, um, sanitation policies there, water there is a policy. But then the question is after having a policy, to what extent we have succeeded in having uh, more rainwater storage and use of rainwater. To what extent we have succeeded in reducing wastage of water, which is close to 50% if you take as an average. To what extent have we succeeded? 
these are not really looked into and these are the things which have to be you know about the details of which should become available to you and me as residents of a particular area what is that that we have done we have contributed or what is it better that we can do and are we doing it or not that you know together adds up to the city's performance and city's performance if it is good fine and any sort of this comparison of index and things like that that is there for newspaper value or media value for a day or couple of days after that it does not exist unfortunately so that is why i was trying to take it another level that you will get further funds or support only if you have improved it may be a half step a state like bihar would would complain about it and they would seek exemptions but how long do we continue with the scenario that uh, we give funds there is some performance there is no accountability and things continue to go on there is no change in the governance pattern i think i have broadly covered most of your points back to you uh well thank you uh, for answering uh, so elaborately almost touching all of the points so i think uh, arjun now you do not have any more questions पॉलिसीज आर देर almost all the policies are there almost in almost all the aspects which are uh, important for making the cities engines of growth making the cities sustainable making the cities livable the policies are there the important challenge is how to operationalize the those policies uh, to the uh, best of our abilities and best of our cap capacities so and for that you mentioned that there is no other way than to empower the local government so uh, hope we will take forward your uh, thoughts and all these things uh, and also uh, once again thank you thank you very much for uh, being with us and we will continue with our city conversation uh, series and we hope to have you uh, as an expert in our next city conversation series so thank you thank you once again also to share some of them to share some actually some some foreigners many experts sir also are coming so it would be really nice if you can also take out some time to chair some of the city conversation series thank you appreciate thank you for this invitation these are all uh, intellectually very invigorating but um, I, i hope in some sense we succeed in initiating some change that mm. should be the purpose and that should be the direction we should be taking so i suggest uh, you and uh, if uh, dr simi is involved you should take this agenda forward get those some of those prominent opinion makers write to them send it to them uh, mm -hmm. and ask them to take it up or get their response if they have don't have time to participate mm -hmm. in uh, debates like this you should continue to do that thank you dr arjun okay. thank, thank you. you thank you sir thank you, you. Dr. Dr. Samia, thank you. yes thank, thank you thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.